Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron and this is the podcast where we take a group of related films and eliminate all but three. Today I am joined by Tara. Hello Tara. What's up guys? I have my list on my red pen ready because today we're discussing the films of James Cameron. James Cameron is a very prolific director. He's one of those names like Christopher Nolan or Steven Spielberg where somebody says James Cameron, you know what types of films that he has made. You know the movies he's made and the success he's had. But what's a little surprising is that he has only directed seven narrative films, eight if you count Piranha 2, which we're not getting into today because he only partially directed that and he was fired from it. I'm kind of curious. Why was he fired from Piranha 2? I don't remember the details. They were filming in Italy. He got sick. Okay, how do I say this? James Cameron is known for having an ego. Okay. And he's known for not exactly being the kindest person when it comes to getting what he wants. Like a lot of directors? But at least getting fired from that meant we got the Terminator because he was sick and he had a fever dream and that's where the idea of Terminator came from. So we can thank Piranha 2 for giving us the Terminator franchise. I mean, it's fine. The the fish fly in it. Some fish can't fly, but... No, but the piranha fly. Flying piranha. But then we can also blame Piranha 2 for a bunch of the horrible Terminator stuff too, right? We'll get to that. So today we're discussing the seven narrative films that he has made. And we're also discussing the seven films that he has either co-written or produced in some capacity. On today's list are Avatar, Titanic, True Lies, Terminator, Terminator 2, The Abyss, Aliens, Terminator Dark Fate, Alita Battle Angel, Cirque du Soleil Worlds Away, Sanctum, Solaris, Strange Days, and Point Break. So Tara, yo, how do you feel about James Cameron? He's actually one of the few directors I can name some of his movies. I mean, like Spielberg, I can name off a few, but if you told me, hey, name off four movies from Christopher Nolan. I'd say there's the Batman movies and dot, 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 dot. And no, no, dot, dot, dot was made by Spielberg. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a bad I, joke. I, I, that see, was I, a terrible joke. I don't really follow the tech side of movies. I think a lot of people don't, which is kind of sad because if we didn't have such good people working behind the scenes, you don't get a good movie. There are only a few directors to where you can actually identify the movie based on just the style and the feel and the look of a movie as a film by that director. There's Michael Bay, Tim Burton, James mm-hmm. Cameron. These are people where when you watch their movies, you can tell that this is a movie by that person. You don't even need a name on there, and that's their stamp. Even if you may not know the director's name, you can probably recognize, oh, this is the same as the guy that did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or this is yeah. the same as Batman. Like You can tell. And there aren't a lot of directors that are like that. Nolan has a very particular style. You can tell it's a Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. And Cameron, yeah, for his seven movies, you can definitely see that these are all by the same, well, I don't want to say genius, but... He's a very smart guy. He's, he's very good with the design and how he does things. I think it'll go without saying that the seven movies that he personally directed are the better films on this list. This is going to be a hard list. Just looking at the list. It's not as hard as the Pixar one, but there's a lot of good movies on here. I mean, it'll be hard to eliminate his films. The ones that he only produced or wrote are a little easier to knock off. So let's just do a couple real quick. Okay. So Sanctum was a 3D movie back at the you know early 2010s when 3D was huge. Cameron's involvement really just came from pushing this new 3D technology because he was huge into 3D when it was first coming around. And in fact, Avatar could be blamed or (laughs) or credited with the boom of 3D movies. Is there a word that is for both credited and blamed? But Sanctum, like, it's it's a whatever movie, so I have no problem crossing that off. Yeah, goodbye. It's not one that comes to mind when you think of James Cameron. Right. Most of these are like that. Point Break is a famous movie. But most people don't think of James Cameron when they think of Point Break. They think of Keanu, Patrick Swayze. 
Yeah, I don't even think of the director at all when I hear yeah. Point Break. Well, the director was was Catherine Bigelow, who also did The Hurt Locker, but she was married to James Cameron at the time, and so that's why he's mm. a producer on Point Break. Same reason why he's a producer on Strange Days, because he was helping her make that. I think that they were already separated when they made Strange Days, but that's his involvement. Strange Days is not a good movie. It's interesting. It's uh, about a future where you can record your what you see in real time, and then other people can rewatch your memories and experience them, which is kind of a neat idea. But the movie's not very good. I have no problem crossing off Strange Days. Point Break, though. So as much as people like Point Break, I don't love it. I actually have an excuse to cross it off just because James Cameron has made so many other good movies. I feel weird saying so many. <laughs> He's only directed seven narrative films, but when those, those seven, seven are all pretty good. When they're all powerhouses, it doesn't matter. It's the opposite of Shyamalan where he's done one really awesome movie and then everything else was kind of iffy to outright bad. A lot of working directors make a movie every two years, every three years, give or take. Cameron is one of those people where he will put years and years and years between his movies and they are all successful with the exception of The Abyss. The Abyss is really his only film that wasn't a financial success, but it's still respected and liked. People still know The Abyss, and it was still a breakthrough in animation. The Abyss really set the standard for what we could do with CG animation, and it's just a very brief sequence where a tentacle of water with a human face on the end of it is going through the ship. So Jurassic Park was still another four years away, but The Abyss was the first time where people actually sat back and said, oh, wow, like this is what we can do? Like this, this is amazing. This does look amazing and you can't tell. You know it's not real, but you can't look at it and see the strings. Yeah, and Cameron is really big into technology and so he will spend years looking into things and that's why his movies take so long to do. He has no problem taking his time. Which is actually kind of good for a lot of these. Yeah, but if you look though at each of his movies, each one of his movies is a breakthrough in effects. Terminator 2 and the shape-shifting, the liquid metal, mm -hmm. Titanic, Avatar, both of them, Avatar with the 3D. People don't often bring up Robert Zemeckis, but Robert Zemeckis is a very similar director in that each one of his films really pushed the bar for what we could do with effects because Robert Zemeckis did Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and even oh. What Lies Beneath, the Harrison Ford thriller with Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer. People don't really think of that movie when it comes to effects, but there's some camera work that's really incredible in that and in uh, Contact. There's some special effects that we take for granted now. But they were both, Zemeckis and Cameron, both pushing the bar with each of their movies. And they both deserve credit for that. But Cameron in particular, his movies are always the go-to examples. And it works. It's kind of worth the payoff, actually. So just to double back real quick, I am crossing off Point Break because I would probably keep six of the seven Cameron films before I would select Point Break. And so that alone makes Point Break just... It's just not going to make it. It's just not going to survive the, the elimination. It doesn't have the Cameron feel to it. Well, it's not a Cameron movie. It's a Catherine yeah. Bigelow movie. But Cameron did have some, I wouldn't say constructive criticism. He had creative say over it too, right? As a producer. I don't know to what extent. It may have just been clout. It still doesn't feel like anything he's produced. There's so many other movies that have his trademark on it that it's going to be hard to keep an if movie. Another one of his that he co-wrote or produced was Terminator Dark Fate. Sean and I talked about that in our Terminator episode. It's not the worst thing ever. It's just not very good either. They keep screwing up with these sequels. They keep basically trying to reboot it every time. And they even changed the timeline in Dark Fate. And yet they still had Judgment Day. They still had a version of Skynet. They just changed the name to Legion. But they still made Terminators. Like, what sense does that make? Terminator Dark Fate is not really recommendable at all. I would recommend Terminator Genesis only because it's laughably bad. You could have a good time <laughs> just trashing it. Dark Fate doesn't have that same fun stupidity <laughs> that Genesis has. There's been so many bad Terminator ones, I can't remember. Is Dark Fate the one where 
it had Amelia Clark in it, or was that Genesis? That was Genesis. Dark Fate is the one where they brought back Linda Hamilton, who I love. I love seeing Linda okay. Hamilton again, but man. Oh, and that's the one where they actually kill John. Where they right? kill John Connor, yeah, but who cares? And Cameron will throw his name on just about any Terminator product, just because. And so I don't even know how involved he actually was, but he is credited, so that's why it's on this list. I'm crossing off Dark Fate. I'm not going to say it's fine at all. <laughs> I mean, I keep yeah. messing it up with Genesis because the two of them were... Not great, not good. They're not entirely similar, but they're just kind of garbage Terminator movies. Uh, Solaris was a remake of a Russian film. The Russian film is actually fantastic. I don't know why they remade it other than it's one of those movies that did influence a lot of filmmakers. So Cameron and Scorsese probably love Solaris, but the remake to me just seemed to kind of miss the point of the original film. That's the the George Clooney one where he George finds Clooney. his wife who died and then they're on a spaceship or something, a space station? They're on a space station and basically there's something sort of mystical going on to where they're being granted their desires. That sounds like it can never backfire. But not, no, but, it, but it's not in like a monkey's paw trickery sort of way. It's more philosophical, meditative sort of drama about loss. It just happens to be on a space station. So kind of like how Pet Cemetery is really about grief. Yeah, imagine Pet Cemetery with all of the horror stripped away, zero horror, and set in space. Sure. When you try and talk about Pet Cemetery, it's more about, oh yeah, the graveyard that brings animals back to life and brings people back to life and they're monsters. The real deal with Pet Cemetery was grief and not being able to let go and to just grieve and move on. Mm -hmm. So Solaris... By comparison, you get your wish granted, but it's in a kind of weird, not monkey's it's not even sense? It's not even a wish. The people in it, the, the astronauts, are not even actively aware that it's happening to them. They just don't really understand. And they're seeing things and having interactions with people who aren't there. It's just not very good. But the original film is so good. But Same of course, thing? it's a three-hour Russian film from oh like the seventy from the seventies. You know, <laughs> that, is that really worth the watch, though? I I, th- I, I three re- hours. I recommend Solaris, the original. I do. I mean, I know mostly this Solaris because it had George Clooney in it. Mm-hmm. I remember some trailers with it, and all I could think was, okay, so he's an astronaut. His wife is dead, but now she's back. That doesn't feel like a James Cameron movie, still. But did he produce this one or direct it? No, no, this was one he produced. So it shouldn't have that feel of his, really. This may have just been that he put his name on it. There, there are some situations where, where you'll see like Martin Scorsese presents. And uh. it's really just somebody who is more famous than the people making the movie putting their backing behind it so that it gets made. Gotcha. I don't like the remake. The original is great. I know I say all the time that if it was good, we wouldn't complain. So maybe if the Solaris remake was good, we wouldn't complain. But as it stands now, I just look at that and say, why did they bother? Now, is it also three hours or just the no, Russian one? it's long, but it's not three hours, no. There are two movies left that Cameron did not direct, but we'll skip those for now and talk about one of his true blue James Cameron films. And so we did mention The Abyss earlier. Tara, what do you think about The Abyss? I remember seeing that movie as a kid and not understanding that creature was CG. You see a movie like Jaws or Orca, you know those are fake. <laughs> Orca? <laughs> Orca? I still want to do some kind of list with Orca on it because Orca is just a weird movie. I'm not talking about Orca. <laughs> I'll talk about Jaws all day. but we're, I Oh don't, my God. Oh. Now, The Abyss somewhat famously does have two versions. There is a director's cut. At the end, the aliens threaten humanity with a giant tidal wave along the, all the coasts and it freezes. Basically, they just want to prove that they could kill us if they wanted. Like, have you ever seen that version of it? I don't think so, no. Oh, yeah. In the theatrical film, he just goes down there, has a conversation with the aliens. The aliens come up and that's it. Like, whatever. It's, it's not very climactic. Originally, when he's down there talking to them, they show him all the bad things humanity has done. And they make these gigantic 200-foot tall tidal waves. But then the wave just freezes and just hangs there. And he convinces them that we're worth saving, that we could be better. And it's kind of neat. I actually like that ending. 
a lot more. From my understanding, the effects weren't good enough. And so when they made the movie, it didn't look convincing enough. A couple years later, he was able to release that version of it. I forgot what the deal was, but he made some sort of deal that included the money to finish The Abyss. And so that's how that version ended up coming out. Huh. It probably is better that they cut it. If it didn't look good, especially at the end, yeah. Especially when you had the tentacle in there already that suspended your disbelief that, oh man, this is real. I hate to say it, and I'm only saying this because I'm looking at the list of every other movie Cameron has made, and I'm going to have to cross off The Abyss. And it's not because it's bad. The effects are so good. The effects are good. The only real problem I have at all with The Abyss is that weird subplot with Michael Bean being the bad guy. It's already a relatively packed film. There's a lot going on in The Abyss. You didn't need the subplot of having a villain on board. Yeah, I got to cross off The Abyss too. It, his first movie was awesome, but okay, second movie, yeah, well, it, minus, it's still great, but I'm going to have to drop it because he's got so many better ones we got to look at. Minus Piranha 2, his first real movie was Terminator. I still kind of want to put Piranha 2 in parentheses and say, because of you, we got Terminator, but we also got Terminator, Genesis, and Dark no, Fate. No, he, he's not responsible for the sequels. That's studios and money. That's, okay. that's out of his hands. He put his name on Dark Fate, though. Yeah, but I'm sure he got paid, and I'd put my name on anything if they paid me. <laughs> I will keep that in mind for when I become super yeah. rich. Of the seven main Cameron films, and I know it just crossed off the abyss, the only one of the seven that I really don't have a problem crossing off is True Lies. I'm not saying it's bad in any way. I like True Lies. I just think that the middle is a little boring because the True Lies is a remake of, a, I think, a French movie. And Cameron bought the rights to it and has done his best to basically keep that movie hidden from the world. Like, not a lot of people know that True Lies is a remake. True Lies is such a good movie, though. It's good. It's it a lot of fun. fun. It does kind of drag in the middle. It yeah. does. It's so, so long. They really could have cut 20 minutes out of it. But it is a lot of fun. It's a very fun movie. It's just of his seven main movies. That's the one where I don't love it. I love the movie, but it doesn't feel like a James Cameron kind of, I hate to use the word here, epic, the way that so many of the other ones do. Titanic, Terminator 2, Avatar. True Lies is fun. I, I love all the characters. I love the little humor in it. The action the is spectacular. are awesome. Blowing up the bridge. Yes. Yeah. But again, it's just a little too long. It's a little too long. It, it does drag. But oh my God, the was it Bill Paxton? I could watch those scenes over and over and they will never stop being yeah. hilarious. And that's one of those things too. Like, I'm not saying that they should cut out the subplot with the wife and Bill Paxton. Yeah. I'm not saying that they should cut anything in particular. It's just all a bit too much. As a movie, it is just awesome and great, but it doesn't really fit in on the same level as some of these other ones. So I have to cut it too, even if I wish I could keep it. I'm sorry. It just can't compete with something like Titanic, Terminator 2, Are you aliens. naming your three? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just naming it. I want to name it like the entire seven on his list yeah. and say, well, take True Lies off. It sucks because it is so fun, but yeah. it's got to go. I'm sorry. Let, let's go and talk very briefly about Aliens. Alien 1 is not on this list. Because Cameron didn't. Because Cameron didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Ridley Scott did Alien. The question that comes up on these episodes is, can a sequel stand on its own? Because in my mind, we're eliminating these films like from history. We're only saving three. The rest of them are gone. And so can Aliens make sense without Alien? And I think it can. I think it gives I you everything agree, you need. I agree, yeah. The only problem I have, and this is not even a problem. That's like, uh-huh. you put air quotes around that. I love both Alien and Aliens so much, it's hard to choose which one is better. I'm just going to teeter back and forth constantly. Because they're both, so- damn it, Tara. But Alien isn't on this list. And thankfully, I do think Aliens can stand alone. You don't need the first one to understand the second one. And they are vastly different. One is a horror and the other one is a war movie. Yeah, and the war movie, I mean, obviously you need the aliens to make the movie, Mm -hmm. but the element of horror is pretty subdued. You Mm -hmm. are facing off a 
almost literally faceless monster here. Yeah. It's a horde, but they can think and they're dangerous and the Marines are super outnumbered. And mm -hmm. even if you don't get a personality for each of the Marines, because a lot of them are just throwaway characters, everything is so well done in Aliens. Mm -hmm. the, and they introduce the Newt, they introduce Michael Bean. The effects are so good in Aliens. Mm -hmm. I know they do some CG for that, right? They had to. No, no, no really? Aliens, dude, Aliens came out in like 86, man. There's no CG in it. Well, they had to have some kind of special effects like that. Nothing at well, all. They had, like, well, they had models, matte paintings, like the way movies are made for five yeah. decades. I, I do wish there's an extended version that's, I think, maybe two minutes. They should have kept... The daughter? Maybe more reference to the daughter. And there was a scene that I think they cut out of all the productions where it actually had Paul Reiser's character and Ripley found him. Mm -hmm. And he's in there freaking out because he's like, Ripley, I feel it in me. If it's moving, yeah. do something. And she like gives him a grenade. I like that. That would have been so good to keep in. Yeah. His character is so good as the bad guy, too. Yeah. They cut a lot out, and Aliens is one of those movies where the deleted scenes don't feel like padding. Because most movies, when they cut the scenes, they're cut for a reason. I hate that marketing tactic of unrated. Like, you get those DVDs uh. or Blaze where it's, you know, road trip, unrated, or 40-year-old virgin, unrated. And the reality is, is that what was cut wasn't extra gore or profanity or nudity. Usually, it's just deleted scenes that they plug in so that they can say it's unrated, and they make you want to buy it because, like, oh, what did I miss? But the truth is, what they cut was cut for a reason. And it was cut probably because it's not very good. And so I hate when I have to buy a movie and they don't give me the option of the theatrical version. That makes me so angry because that's the version that I fell in love with or liked at least. Mm -hmm. I don't want to necessarily watch deleted scenes just plugged back in, except for Lord of the Rings. Those extended editions are amazing, <laughs> but those yeah. are rare. And Aliens is one of the rare ones where all of the deleted scenes are pretty great. The queen was so good. Oh, my God. The, oh God. And that, that, that contraption, Ripley's walking around, you know, get away from her, you bitch. The power Dude, loader. The power. I remember reading that people wanted to buy the power loader. Right. People wanted to use it. They're and like, it's like, this is not real. They're like, but I want it. Dude, I want that thing. <laughs> if you want to talk about filmmaking, watch the scene where Ripley fights the alien with the power loader. Because it goes back and forth between puppets, miniatures, and Ripley in the power loader. They'll cut from one reality to another, and you can't tell. It's made so well. And just the stuff with Bishop is just flawless. It's awesome. Yeah, when he gets ripped in half, it looks amazing. And also, too, I just want to point out, when she first discovers the queen alien, and you see the sack laying the eggs, and the camera yes. just pans along, the holy crap of that moment where they introduce the queen alien, mm -hmm. that moment would have been ruined in trailers. If oh, Aliens God, was yes. a new movie, they would have ruined that reveal. There's no way they would have kept that reveal for the movie. I just remember the scene, and this is one of the best ones, where Ripley's going in there, and she's got the flamethrower, and the queen sees her, and they kind of have that little stare-off moment. She points the flamethrower at the eggs, and the yeah. queen stops. The thing with Aliens is almost every single scene, once the action gets started, you're screaming, oh my God, oh my God, this is so cool. All right. Along those same lines of aliens and the necessity of knowing alien or not, Terminator and Terminator 2 are both on here. In the episode with Sean, we did discuss whether or not Terminator 2 stands on its own, and we agreed that it did. Mm -hmm. it, it's helpful to have the information and knowledge of Terminator 1, but T2 gives you everything you need. And so we did keep Terminator 2, and I believe we both crossed off Terminator 1. So we're kind of in that position now again. Terminator 1 is pretty good, though. I mean, let's... Oh, no, no, they're, they're, it's great. It is yeah. a fun movie. It, it's not... I mean, Terminator 2, I still think, is better, kind of the same way Aliens is better than Alien. Absolutely. And I'm crossing off Terminator again. So not to repeat myself, <laughs> but I'm crossing off Terminator again. Terminator 1 is good. I, I do remember the little odd scene of the Terminator, like, checking in the phone book to find where, <laughs> where <laughs> the lady is. And I'm like, you know, if they were to ever remake Terminator 1 again, 
it would literally be the Terminator like sitting down, probably just looking at his phone and scrolling over Facebook and Instagram and trying to find, okay, where is this lady? Downloads the internet to its brain. Terminator 2 is epic. It is long, but not in the way that True Lies is too long. I think it's exactly what it needs to be. And actually, speaking of, there are deleted scenes from Terminator 2 that are not good. The theatrical version of Terminator 2 is all you need. Don't watch it with those scenes plugged in. And again, if they were to do Terminator 2 nowadays, they would probably spoil so much in the trailer. It wouldn't be funny. We're actually running out of movies already. The only two that are left that Cameron did not direct are Alita Battle Angel and Cirque du Soleil. I'm going to cross off Cirque du Soleil. I will say I'm a huge fan of that circus. I love all their videos. I've seen almost every single one of their shows. Cameron's involvement is probably just because of the 3D angle. It was coming out right around the time of the 3D boom, and he's really big into that technology. And so I think that's really where his involvement ends. Yeah, I didn't actually know he did this movie at all. Well, again, it may be in name only. I don't really know exactly how involved he was other than the technology. And that might have been it. I like the movie. It's a Cirque du Soleil show with a storyline. Most of the shows are a little abstract. This one actually has like a main character and you follow her through this world and you get to see all these great circus stunts. It doesn't quite have the same impact as seeing an actual circus stunt performed live because when you watch a movie that looks like a movie, you know that they could cut and start over. It's not as impressive as somebody doing a triple back flip and landing it. Live. Live because they could have filmed it any number of ways. But <laughs> They could have done just multiple times. But if you're into that stuff, It's great. I love Cirque du Soleil. I very, very much enjoy it. But of course, I'm a fan, so... But it's not a James Cameron kind of, I mean... But here's the thing. When we approach these episodes, like our vampire one that we have, Mm -hmm. I'm not approaching it from which is the most vampire-y movie. And in this one, I'm not approaching it from which one is most representative of James Cameron. I'm just picking out the three best that deserve to survive. And Cameron has happened to make seven really good movies. (laughs) Even if I guess they don't feel like his movie, Cirque du Soleil might deserve a spot in the vault if it wasn't on the James Cameron right. list. Yeah, no, exactly. It doesn't matter to me that it's not a true, you know, quote, true Cameron movie. But I have to justify why I'm cutting it, even though it's well, a I'm great cutting movie it, still. I'm cutting it because James Cameron made Avatar, Titanic, okay. True Lies, Terminator, Terminator <laughs> 2, The Abyss, and Aliens. Well, we'll get to that. Reason. We'll get to that. But like, if the list was pick the three best out of these seven movies plus just Cirque du Soleil, oh, okay. it still wouldn't be selected because Cameron has made seven awesome movies. But like you said, if it was done live, that'd be a little different because Cirque du Soleil that's their thing. It's live performance, yeah. It's live performance. So if you actually just have a video of it, I'm not saying that takes away from it, but it kind of does It's more impressive. It's kind of like with Cats, where because they put animation over the dancing, it doesn't feel like real dancing. Same thing with Cirque du Soleil. The stunts are still people really performing stunts, but because it's filmed like a movie, there's that disconnect between being impressed. Yeah, and going, oh, this they they did this in post. Yeah, exactly. Alita Battle Angel... Which is a weird title because the comic was called Battle Angel Alita. I don't know why they flipped it. That's very strange. But that aside, Alita Battle Angel was surprisingly good. I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed it. My only real issue at all with it is that it doesn't really have an ending. It's all set up. It's set up for the next movie. And the climax is uh, basically a sporting event. And the movie doesn't prepare you for it. It's not a movie about sports. But as you're watching it the first time, you don't really realize that this sporting event is meant to be the climax of the movie. It is? What well, is? It is the climax right, okay. of the movie. I've watched this movie so many times that I never thought that was the climax part. Well, I thought it was just still building up to it. Because nothing else happens after that other than like trying to crawl up those cables. I guess it would be the climax. I yeah, think. no, exactly. And so the movie is, is almost all set up. 
The world building is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's so awesome. And the effects yeah. are amazing. Alita is a CG character and she blends very well. I think they did a fantastic job with that. I like the movie. I just wish that they had a sequel already in the works because for a movie, kind of like Dune, even though mm. I expect there's going to be a second to Dune film, with Alita having having made a film that was all set up and not having a sequel that's probably ever coming out, it's hard to really defend the film. I liked Alita. I was really surprised because I love the original anime. I haven't read the comics it's based on because there's just so many of them. It's kind of right. intimidating. It didn't really affect the movie overall, but having the the bad guy be able to like plug in and speak through other people just seemed kind of out of focus. I think it was very poorly done. I like the idea of it that a bad guy that you never see this looming threat that is unreachable, but they don't convey it very well. There is some confusion as to when he is speaking or not. Like mm -hmm. it's not, they should have changed the voice. They should have just done something, but it's not done very well. And then having the character suddenly be Edward Norton at the end. It, it kind of felt like Battle Angel had too many ideas that they were trying to push into one movie. They were trying to do that thing that some other failed franchises have done. Instead of making one good movie and then making a sequel, they're trying to do a bunch of sequel prep and setup in the first film with no guarantee of a follow-up. And it hurts the film. The big problem with Avengers Age of Ultron, and one of the reasons that it's the weakest of those films, to me at least, is a whole bunch of that movie is clearly set up for other movies. And that takes away from the actual film you're watching. Don't tell me what to expect from the next movie. Just make one good movie now. You mentioned the the rollerball, whatever it's called, the, the sporting. The, the roller the, derby the, thing. Yeah, yeah I don't know what it's called. That, murder ball. <laughs> yeah, murder ball. That didn't need to be in there because the whole big thing with Alita was her boyfriend wanting to get to the other city. So we didn't need to have all of this other stuff with the, the rollerball tournament and that's how they're going to kill Alita because it was never really about her. It was about her in relation to her boyfriend. That's yeah. great, but we don't need like all this other sequel stuff or other little bits from movies later. It just felt kind of bloated. I don't have a problem with the roller derby sequence because really any action sequence is unnecessary. You look at the pod race in episode one. Yeah. It's awesome. It's probably the best part of that movie. Completely unnecessary. Besides sure. the credits? Oh, okay. The only problem I have with the roller derby sequence or the rollerball sequence in Alita is just that that's the climax. It doesn't make sense that that's the climax. It doesn't feel if, like a climax. If it had been, well, exactly. And if it had been anywhere else in the movie, sure, you can have a cool sequence. Yeah, the, the murder ball tournament didn't really seem to do too much. And then, oh, look, the end. It was 80% of a movie. Pretty much. I mean, again, they could have probably not quite split it in half, but they could have made Battle Angel Alita part one and part two and just kind of made it yeah. flow a little better. Just give us a resolution of some kind. As opposed to her standing there lifting a sword up and you're like, oh. The Harry Potter movies, using those as an example, each one of those has its own A to B story. There's world building and there's a lot of stuff that they use again in other movies, but it doesn't feel like setup for other movies. They introduce a detail and then they bring it back later and that's great but they don't introduce a detail and then leave it hanging in the air <laughs> without an understanding of why that mattered. And each of those movies in the Harry Potter series has a new villain, a new situation that gets resolved. And then there's still room for another one, sure. But Alita doesn't really resolve anything. I mean, I still like the movie. but I still just, liked it too. It just felt like there was so much potential and it just kind of ended with very little actually done. If they had a good sequel that came out like two years later, we could be raving about both of them because the first one would make more sense with the data from that second film. But as it stands now, being sequel-less, Alita is just kind of... There. 
It's weird. It's weird complaining this hard about it because I like the film. But imagine watching a really good movie with a lot of world building. And every time somebody's about to explain something, they cut that scene. And then 10 <laughs> minutes and then ten minutes before the movie ends, it just stops. That's kind of how Alita feels. That's the end. That's the end. Oh, okay. I guess, I guess we're done. <laughs> okay. But man, what they put on screen is really enjoyable. It's a good start to a franchise that has never happened. Because we'll probably never get another one. Yeah, yeah, we're not getting another one. We're not getting another one. The only two we haven't discussed actually are Avatar and Titanic. Blockbusters. World-changing blockbusters, the biggest films of all time. Titanic was the biggest film in the world, and it was beaten by Avatar. Those numbers have since changed since Avengers Endgame came out. Domestically, right now, it's number three, and I think Spider-Man No Way Home is about to beat it. But these are both two of the biggest movies of all time. I will tell you straight up, I love both of these movies. I know there was a lot of backlash against their success and their award nominations. Yeah, huge backlash. I know there was a backlash against Avatar, but that was mostly from people saying, wow, I like this better one. It was called, you know, Dances Dances with Wolves. I like Dances with Wolves and Fern Gully. But no, people bash Titanic really hardcore. But if you actually sit down and watch it, it's solid. It is a super solid movie. The details are amazing. And I'm not talking about just the effects, something your brain doesn't even notice, but how the Mm -hmm. silverware is set out, how the costume designs are, how everything is laid out. But you don't notice it right away. You have to watch it two or three times to realize all the tiny details. And with Avatar, people would bash how that mineral is called unobtainium. (laughs) And that might be a dumb name. But the thing is that it was given that dumb name by characters in the world of the film. So you can't really bash James Cameron for that dumb name. The characters in the film came up with it. I remember Titanic was out when I was in high school. And the big laugh was, hey, guys, I can spoil Titanic. The The boat boat sinks. sinks. I watched it and was just kind of like, okay, I can see where all this is going. But you watch it again without going into the movie thinking, I know the boat's going to sink. And when you actually watch it for the details, not so much the actual love story. Titanic was the most expensive film ever made at the time. And you can tell. It's one of the rare movies that has two major studio logos in the front of it. Like when you watch a movie, you'll see the Universal logo and then maybe like a production company. You don't usually see 20th Century Fox and Paramount in front of the same movie. It's just it costs so much that they had to split the cost. But it was kind of worth it when you see oh, the end result. Well, they, oh both, they both made a billion dollars. The story is actually really good. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the characters are actually based on real people from the Titanic. Oh, yeah, the unsinkable Molly Brown. That's where her name and comes from. There's actually a lawsuit that I, that I think the family won. Um, I don't know if there was a lawsuit, but I know they were very, very public about their disappointment that they made their uh, relative ancestor. Ancestor feels weird when it was 80 years ago. But yeah, when they made their relative appear to, well, to kill himself. Well, he was a total coward and was a total jerk in the movie. But in reality, he wasn't like that. And survivor stories indicated he wasn't like that. Normally, I'm not hung up on details like when a movie isn't true to life. But when there are living people who, (laughs) in a sense, knew that person, that makes it a little bit different. We're kind of jumping back and forth, but I do want to say about Avatar, it's kind of interesting, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, but it's very strange how what was the biggest movie of all time has zero pop culture footprint. There are no Avatar t-shirts, lunchboxes, Halloween costumes. How is it that a movie that made $2.3 billion is basically invisible? Even, even just two or three years after it came out, it had no imprint. Nobody quotes Avatar. What were the quotable lines in Avatar? Well, that's not the point. But you watched Avatar probably, what, 20, 30 times? I have no idea. I'm I'm sure you can come up with something. Those things are normally just absorbed through osmosis by having sold so many tickets and been seen so many times. How is it that none of that has entered the lexicon of pop culture? Yeah, I was going to say, I remember I was at a Best Buy doing a delivery and they had like an Avatar, whatever release it was, they had this big cardboard cutout 
And usually people would want that giant cardboard cutout because mm-hmm. it had, you know, Jake Sully riding on one of those big dinosaur things. And I remember kind of looking at it going like, huh, I like the details, but it's just so, I hate to say boring. You think the movie's boring? Well, I think in hindsight, it's one of those movies that we all watched. We all saw it. But there was absolutely nothing that stuck to us really afterwards because yeah, nothing stuck. everything in that movie so many other times done so much better. Ah, I'm going to disagree the, with the that part. No, it's... No, hold on. Oh the technology God. of the movie was amazing. All mm-hmm. the effects they did were amazing. But I think maybe it was too good in the fact that our brains knew, hey, these cat people aren't real. Nothing in this is actually real. It was done too well, so there was no uncanny valley that would make you kind of lean back. Mm-hmm. It's been done before as an excuse. Um, but I do agree that people forgot the film, and I don't know if we can necessarily figure out why, but like, can you name any other actors in it, in Avatar? One of them even went on to be super famous in Marvel movies. Uh... Okay, so... Well, <laughs> No, you're, no, you're, you're, you're proving, there's a lot of Marvel people no, that I, know, I can't I know. think of one. You're, you're proving my point. That's my point exactly, is that uh, this, this movie is forgotten, but Zoe Saldana is the love interest. She's the main alien, and she plays Gamora in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and Giovanna Ribisi is in it, and Sam Worthington is the main actor. But it's weird. Even if we realized after the fact that we all suffered from some, some sort of mass hysteria that made this movie the biggest movie of all time, we would still remember it, but it's a forgotten blockbuster it's very strange yeah most blockbusters don't have that even movies that aren't huge summer blockbusters we still remember on some cultural level yeah it's, it's very strange and avatar was nominated for best picture at the oscars it lost to hurt locker which is hilarious because hurt locker was directed by james cameron's ex-wife oh man can't imagine how that went over right i was rooting for avatar that year it didn't win for this list though i am down to just avatar titanic terminator 2 and aliens I can make that easier. I'm dropping the blue cat people. Terminator 2, it's still like, maybe not the exact movie, but Terminator is still in our cultural consciousness. We still well, know. But that's not my basis no, for judgment, though. I'm saying that we still know Terminator. We still know Aliens, ignoring the sequels. Titanic is still a Wait, did you thing. say ignoring the sequels to Aliens? Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, not I Alien vs. Predator. I said just ignoring the sequels. I like that's Prometheus. We almost talked about Prometheus <laughs> once. We're not doing it again. No, I love well, Prometheus, we'll, we'll though. We'll save that one for the actual alien. The only know. problem with Prometheus is people can't run sideways. If Cameron had directed Prometheus, it would have never come out. We'd still be waiting for it. Just yeah, like Avatar that, 2. Cameron even said he was going to do like a huge world, like Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, and like release them all within a year of each other, mm-hmm. which makes sense. But he's got to do 50 years of work then. And I don't know if he's going to make it that long. Supposedly, they've already filmed all of the live action footage for 2 and 3. Zoe Saldana said that that they wrapped like months ago. Now, my big question is, you bring out like Avatar 2, say next year. Mm-hmm. Is anyone actually super excited to see Avatar 2? I don't know. Because here's the thing. Avatar 1 was kind of laughed at as well before it came out. Mm-hmm. People said the same thing about Avatar because Titanic was so huge. They said, how can Cameron live up to Titanic? And then Avatar opened with, I think, 60 million, either 60 or 70, which for a movie as hyped as it was, that's not a big opening. The Bourne sequels opened to $70 million. When Avatar opened to either 60 or 70, people thought, oh, okay, maybe Cameron isn't going to be as successful as everyone thought. But then the next weekend, it did the exact same. It didn't drop at all. It was number one for like seven weeks. It made a huge... It made all the money. It, 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 it took biggest, all the money. It was the biggest movie of all time. If you had any movie out the time that Avatar was out, you were pretty much guaranteed, well... We're not making it this week. Yeah, second place. (laughs) No matter what your movie was, it could be a horror movie, it could be the new Disney movie, it could be anything. If Avatar was in theaters, you were not going to make it. Well, same thing with Titanic. Titanic was number one from December 
all the way until like, I think it was April 12th, whatever the weekend was that Lost in Space came out. That was the movie that dethroned Lost, Titanic. Lost in Space? Well, eventually some movie is going to make more money than Titanic. That's true. It's just Titanic was number one That's for like so 16 months. weeks. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I would not discount James Cameron. But as it is now, box office has not recovered. They movies, probably won't for a while. People don't want to go back to the movies and maybe Avatar 2 will be the movie that gets people back again. I have no idea. But before the pandemic, I would not have discounted Avatar 2 at all. Between Avatar and Titanic, though, as much as I bashed on Titanic as a teenager who just was See, being See, I edgy, told you people bashed Titanic. Let me finish. Oh my God. I, I bashed on it because, hey, I know the boat's going to sink, haha. But some of the most haunting stuff happens after the boat sinks and you see actually people that didn't get out of the boat and they're frozen underwater. The people that are frozen on the surface mm -hmm. because the rescue boats got there too late. Maybe there was no Rose. There was no Jack. But people actually survived this. What was it, Neil? Is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. He, po he pointed out that when Rose is looking at the stars, the image that they use of the stars is not what she would have seen. Yep, so Cameron actually went back in the biggest petty move of all time and got the right stars in there just as a you know yeah. middle finger. I want to say, no, I want to say petty. I would say that he's a perfectionist. That's true. Like, why do you think it takes him 14 years to do a sequel to Avatar? Because he's a perfectionist. Compared to Avatar, Titanic is just... I hate to say it's better, but it is. Titanic is a good movie. You actually like the characters. You can still name people who are... In that movie. I would challenge anyone who doesn't like Titanic or who at least says they don't like Titanic to actually tell me why other than, because it's stupid. The romance is lame. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah, but it actually kind of fits. I am, uh, I'm going to go ahead and cross off Avatar. Oh, really? But with the giant asterisk that says it was really close, I very much considered crossing off Terminator 2. And some of that might be because I did pick Terminator 2 as a surviving film on another show. But if we're looking at this in its own bubble, would I pick Terminator 2 over Avatar? I'm tempted. I'm tempted, but I am crossing off Avatar. So that does leave me with my three. Tara, do you have your three? I got my three. All right. What do you got? Well, after dropping Avatar, I have Titanic, Aliens, and Terminator 2. Well, well, well. I think this has only happened one other time. <laughs> I have the exact same films. And so now playing this week at Valley West Cinemas are Titanic, Aliens, and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Hey, you got good taste for once. Yeah, well, what do you mean for once? Never mind. <laughs> what do you mean for once? Uh, what do you think? Let us know on Twitter at VWestCinemas. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, please rate and review wherever you listen. It helps us a bunch. I'm your host, Aaron. I was joined today by Tara. Thank you for listening.